Welcome to In the Fire, a podcast for the young families of Chapelgate Presbyterian Church. Marriage and parenting are a wonderful blessing and are extremely rewarding, but they're also really hard and can leave us feeling exhausted, overwhelmed, and defeated. That's exactly why we started this podcast, to help families see how the gospel injects encouragement, comfort, and hope into the daily grind of our lives, and to remind you that you're never alone in the struggle. There is another in the fire. Well, I'm joined today by a very special guest, Dr. Paul Koistra, and I'm looking forward to asking him all kinds of really, really tough questions about marriage. But before we do that, as always with every guest, I have to ask you a hard-hitting question, Dr. Koistra. Are you ready? Yes. What would be the professional sport that you would most like to play if you could have played any professional sport? Uh, I, I wonder if mountain climbing is a, is a, uh, or rock climbing is a professional sport. If it is, I would rather do that. I, I was never any good at sports. Uh, that really shaped my life in many ways. Um, so I, I remember one time preaching uh, in the South, which, and I, I said, uh, um, you know what? I don't even like football. And some guy going out to church said, you know, young man, you're never going to make it down here. Um, so <laughs> sports have never been a big part of my life. Um, I like hiking. I like nature. So I think mountain climbing and I have climbed a, a 14,000 foot or nine times. Wow. Is that big? I, I, I know nothing about climbing mountains. 14,000 foot mountain is a pretty high mountain. Yes. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, Thanks for, for answering that hard question. We'll get easy ones after this, but um, tell us a little uh, about yourself. I know that, so you and I met through the Timothy Foundation, um, which is a Christian leadership development program for young men. And uh, so I guess I've known you for three years, but uh, believe it or not, you had some life prior to to meeting me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your life? All right. Well, I grew up in Duluth, Minnesota, right on the shore of Lake Superior, a uh, place I still love. My favorite place is Bayfield, Wisconsin, which isn't very far, and, and it's still on the on the shore of Lake Superior. And uh, I, I've been a Christian basically my entire life. Uh, I do remember taking uh, a message I heard in Bible school very seriously and praying for faith when I was five years old. Uh, but uh, my my relationship with Christ has really uh, shaped my entire life. My mother was the uh, big motivator behind that. My father, uh, who later became an elder in the church, but my father had serious problems. And uh, so uh, it was my mother that uh, was uh, such an influence in my life, along with others. Um, I went to the University of Minnesota, got a degree in psychology, went to Columbia Seminary, got a master's degree in uh, theology, was a pastor in two churches in Florida for six years. And then I taught 12 years at, uh, at Bell Haven and Reformed Seminary in Jackson, Mississippi. Then I was 10 years president of Covenant Seminary in St. Louis. Then I was 20 years the director of Mission of the World. Um, in um, Atlanta, of course, all over the world, but the headquarters for the PCA is in Atlanta. And uh, then uh, I had two years as president of Erskine College and Seminary, not the greatest time of my life, but uh, God certainly blessed there. Uh, all of our needs were met. 
but uh, it was not a real uh, pleasant time uh, there. And I sort of retired, uh, but when I retired, I got a lot more jobs. So <laughs> truly, I am more active now than I was when I was the head of things. It's, but there's a big difference, a huge difference, and that is the buck doesn't stop with me anymore. Wow. Yeah, so it's it's interesting too, um, you know, for our listeners' sake, I'll, I'll make sure I point this out, is uh, Covenant Seminary, obviously, in, in St. Louis, but it's the uh, it's the PCA's you know designated seminary, and so um, you know we have had a couple pastors here at Chapelgate who've gone there, um, and uh, also you have an, another tie in with with Jim McKee, who's our executive pastor, and uh, you and Jim go way back, and then MTW yep. as well um, is the PCA's uh, global missions agency, and so yeah, like uh, pretty cool stuff. Yes, I, I Jim was in a youth group that I was the youth pastor of, I think, when he was in ninth grade, married a young lady from that youth group. And uh, I would say also then he worked for me a little bit. And uh, he's a good example of my number one philosophy of managing things, hire people that are better than you and get out of their way. And Jim was always one of those. Well, he's he is. um you know, as, as you know, he's, he's a, a mentor of mine now for, for about four or five years. And, um, you know, I think he's, he's one of the great treasures of Chapelgate for sure. Um, he does a lot of the background stuff, of course, but, um, man, I mean, he's, he's a blessing. He really is. So, yeah. well, well, thanks for sharing all that. Um, so today I was hoping that you and I could talk a little bit about the biblical vision of, of family. Um, next week we'll, we'll talk about marriage. Uh, you know, you referenced earlier and you're correct that marriage usually does precede the family, but in my, um, ridiculous brain, I thought, you know, let's talk about, about, you know, a, a general vision of what it means to have a godly family and specifically, you know, maybe what it would look like to have a vision for parenting. Um, and the reason that you and I are going to talk about this together is because of, uh, a sermon you gave, a few months back. And, um, you know, for those of you guys listening, it, it was actually going through the Lord's prayer. And at the end of the Lord's prayer, we actually ask God, um, you know, to protect us from, from evil. And that that's, that's a, you know, a spiritual warfare, uh, motif. And, you know, I started thinking about, well, what are the areas in my life where I feel like spiritual warfare occurs? And then I realized it's probably not obvious things. Like sometimes it can be really obvious, but maybe one of the greatest attacks that Satan has pulled off, on the American church is actually the, the depreciation of family um, and the, the breaking of, of that covenantal relationship. So um, once you get us started, tell us a little bit about your, your family history. Um, and then, and then let's talk about what is God's, what, what do we pick up from the Bible in terms of what does it mean to be a godly family? All right. Well, I already told you how important my mother was, and uh, she really brought faith back into our family under the influence of a particular pastor uh, in Duluth, Minnesota. She really got tied into that church and her parents were wonderful people. In fact, uh, her father, my grandfather, in many ways is my hero. Um, he he uh, he was very, very successful. And um, uh, and uh, so in many of my I patterned my life in many ways after him, especially his ability to lead. He was the president of a very large corporate uh, company. And um, but they weren't really strong Christians. 
um, there had been faith in the family in, in generations past. And I really do believe in the covenant. I believe that that the faith is passed on from one generation to another. But sometimes it, it sort of uh, becomes muted or even skipped some generations. And uh, and God is faithful, though, and brings it back. And he did it through my mother. And uh, I, I told you, my father, who did also grow up in a Christian family, his parents were from Holland. Uh, and um, uh, my my grandfather actually started a church um, and started a community, for that matter, called uh, Friesland in uh, Minnesota. But uh, they didn't really know how to have family. I, I don't know what it was about those old strict reform people that came from Holland. But I mean, seriously, he, he, my grandmother said that grandpa believed that women and children were to be seen and not heard. And uh, so you can imagine. <laughs> what his family grew up to be like you know and they had a lot of emotional problems because of that and my father was a product of that so he went to church church was always important to him but i will tell you the gospel didn't seem to work in his life very much and uh, so growing up i thought there's something wrong here and it shouldn't be this way and if there's one place where our faith ought to really operate and ought to be dynamic is in our family. In other words, our families ought to look different because of our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And out of that, even at a young age, I began to really develop what I would call a theology of the family. Um, uh, family is not our idea. It's not even a cultural idea. It's God's idea. Um, uh, let us make man in our own image, male and female, made he them. Uh, God, when he was making human beings, he was making them for family because God's a family God and family person himself. There is the father. And what he enjoys more than anything else is his relationship and love uh, for his son. Uh, that, that I'm convinced that's the thing that, that God delights in more than anything else. This is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. That has been his attitude from all of eternity. And uh, so when Jesus says to us, uh, here's how you ought to pray, he begins with our father. And, you know, the, the, the Greek there is a very intimate word used for what a small child would call his daddy. And, and that had to be a shock <laughs> to the Hebrew people when Jesus said, this is how you ought to start your prayers uh, um, our father who art in heaven. Um, but what he was saying is that's who God is. And so, uh, when we, when, when God calls us into families, I think he's calling us into a relationship that reflects the Trinity. Uh, and, uh, just as there is this perfect covenant relationship from all eternity between the father, the son, and the Holy spirit, our, our marriages are to reflect that covenant relationship. If that's the case, then it seems to me we ought to invest an awful lot in, in our families. And, and I would say that's that's my uh, that's my foundational principle. The family is an extension or an expression of maybe not maybe expression is better than an extension of the Trinity. And that ought to reflect that. And, and, and there's two verses in Ephesians, especially that are meaningful to me uh, in uh, Ephesians 1, 5. He predestined us to be adopted mm. as his sons through Jesus Christ. I have a son who is adopted, our first child. 
And uh, we talk a lot about that. And we've talked a lot about that in his relationship with us. But God has adopted us into his family. And then it's interesting if you that that's one five, if you go to five one, it's easy to remember. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Mm. You see, um, that that's that's who we are. We are God's children. We are part of his family. All right, then our family should reflect that re- reality and that relationship. Um, so I would say that that's my foundational uh, idea. Um, and um, and uh, and why I think I've invested so much in the family. By the way, if I could read something, th- this uh, book I have right here, I just got last Wednesday, uh, we celebrated my 80th birthday. Our whole family got together in a place called Ridge Haven. So all the family wrote little things in this book. And, and they also gave a picture of themselves with me, you know, that they sent in. My oldest daughter uh, prepared the thing. I'm not going to read all of it because it would be so um, self-serving. Uh, but here, here's one from Ava. She's the youngest in the family. She's the last of the grandchildren. Dear Grandpa, I'm so blessed to be a part of the Cloister family. God has given me so many things, but I genuinely believe this family is the biggest blessing. I won't go on because, like I say, it would be way too <laughs> self-serving. Uh, she she is a little bit too nice and too kind about me. But then here is the daughter who f- fixed this whole thing. Dad, I'm so thankful to be raised in a home where my parents loved each other and taught me to love the Lord. Mom knew and impressed on me what a blessing it was to have a legacy of faith. You also both taught me how to put my spouse first. I'm so thankful for how you love Jeff, that's her husband, and my children too. Thank you for fun memories and a house to grow up in that was full of love and faith. Wow. I, I would say that uh, both her mom, who had passed away, uh, 14 years ago, but her mom and I, uh, we talked a lot about it and we, we, we went together for four years. So we had four years of talking and, and uh, planning. And, and we did a lot of talking and planning about our home, what our home was going to be like. It was not going to be like the home we grew up in. Um, and uh, she grew up in a loving home, but they liked to argue. I grew up in an unloving home that liked to argue. So one thing we said was, we're not going to argue. Mm. And I would say that our children never saw their parents argue. Um, we, we, uh, we were going, we were just going to have a different kind of relationship. And, uh, uh, and you, you saw it in those two uh, thing, references I just read in that old book. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah. Um, well, thanks. I, I mean, for, first off, happy birthday. That's that's uh, that's great. Yeah, eighty. I'm yeah. pretty, pretty <laughs> But but every one of the grandchildren in the family and the spouses, by the way, of the of the children, they all wrote something in here. And every one of them, it is, uh, it's dealing about. Every one of them talks about a family. Mm. And recently I had to go to my presbytery and they wanted me to give a report, you know, on what I'm doing because I'm retired and I know what they expected. I said, you know what? I'm not going to talk about the things I'm doing right now. I work for this and I work for that. And so on. let me tell you one thing. I have a family and uh, God has blessed that family. How has he blessed them? With faith. 
I have five children. They're all believers. I have four spouses. One of my children is not uh, is not married. Excuse me. He's a believer, but he's not married. So I got four spouses. They're all believers. I have seven grandchildren. They're all believers. And now three of them are married and they are all married to believers. And we have one in a serious relationship with a wonderful uh, believer. We've got four more, uh, three more. Let's see. Uh, I'd have to count it up. I think three or four more. We've got to pray for hard. But uh, that's the greatest blessing I have. The greatest treasure I have. Yeah. Yeah, I was really taken aback as you were as you were sharing. Um, one of the things you mentioned was just that um, you and your wife, before even having kids, talked about what kind of home you wanted to to create. Um, would you tell us a little more about that? I mean, I, I'll tell you just maybe to to help guide your thoughts is as a young guy. You know, I've been married eight years, which is um, which is a lot for my age because I got married young. My wife and I got married young, but. Um, that just doesn't seem to be normal uh, in in my peer group. It's it's kind of like we're all in survival mode. It's like our our goal in a sense is to make it to to bedtime and then you know wake up tomorrow and do it again. But I, I'm really curious what what do those conversations look like? Well, I mean, first of all, and and this is always true about all areas of our life. But again, I'm saying family is the most important area of your life. If you, if you fail there, you failed. Period. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so uh, what, uh, what my wife and I talked about, you know, those four years before we got married, we talked about how our, how is faith going to be at the center of our relationship and then the relationship with our children, if God uh, blesses us such. I should tell you that um, uh, my wife at that time didn't go to college because her parents, you know, they, they were greatly influenced by the old, old, um, the old country, for you that don't know what the old country is, if you grew up in the South, you don't know anything about the old country because your family's been here for generations. Where I grew up, everybody's family, they were immigrants, you know. And uh, in northern Minnesota, they were all, uh, I mean, the vast majority were from Scandinavian countries. Uh, so, you know, I married Carl Carlson's daughter, uh, you yeah. know, they were a, very much a Swedish family, but they 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 actually believe that the, we got to get the boys educated. That's obvious. But the girls, they don't need an education because they're just going to be mothers. And so my wife, when we graduated from high school, I met her in high school. But when we graduated from high school, she went to work to, and basically help her brothers get through school. Um, and um, so her goal in life was simply to, to get married, and she was determined to marry me, thank goodness, and um, and to have children. That was it. So we would talk about that, and we'd say, how are we going to have faith in that relationship, our relationship, and then the relationship with our children? And it was going to be that, first of all, we were going to find a church uh, where we were both uh, both nurtured and, and uh, blessed. Secondly, we were going to take very seriously our family devotions, first as a couple, and then as uh, as parents. Uh, I was going to lead the devotions. By the way, I still do with my second wife. We just had devotions a few minutes ago. And now that we're retired, by the way, we can have really lengthy devotions. <laughs> so we pray a lot, too, about different people. Uh, but But those family devotions were really important. And then when we began to have children, 
uh, I could see that family devotions could be either a drag, you know, or kind of have to endure them, you know, because you're reading the Bible and you're young and these kids don't even understand what you're reading, so on. So I decided, you know, it was my responsibility to figure out how to have devotions that kids would like, you know. So, um, you know, I, I, um, we, I told stories. I even invented stories that were fun, like Pepe and Big Roof. Pepe was a little dog with pointed ears and no tail. And Big Roof was a great big hound with ears that hung down to the ground and a big uh, tail, you know, that would uh, swish through the air. And uh, I would tell those stories. By the way, they, my children still ask me to tell their children Big uh, Pepe and Big Roof stories, <laughs> which they remember. Um, so the devotions were very much tied in uh, to the children. Um, fortunately, I had a wife who could play the, the flute so we could sing a bit and uh, just make it a, a really a fun time. Um, I, 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 it, we would have devotions would sometimes center around the Bible, sometimes around theology. For instance, small children need to hear about God, God's love, just like you have the love in this family. God loves you even with a greater love than our love, and he helps us to love you. And, and so you begin to teach your children theology at a very young age. Um, also, um, uh, uh, we, I would teach them history, you know, Isabel Kuhn. I love that, that, that name, Isabel Kuhn, and they, and they loved it. So they got a heavy dose of Isabel Kuhn. She was, of course, a, a missionary to China, uh, you know, things like that, uh, that 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 would uh, um, be the, the 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 most important thing. That is our our uh, uh, what what I would call uh, making the family a, a God centered, faith centered place. Secondly, the family's got to be a place where God, where children are loved and protected. And uh, um, uh, discipline's uh, you know part of that, but but for instance. It, and it does seem to me that uh, my, my, my wife was such a, a, a kind person. She, she had a hard time disciplining the children. <laughs> and she knew that. She knew that. So she, she, it would fall on me, you know. But we had a rule in our family. And, and we discussed this before we got married. If you got disciplined by dad, you could only get loved by dad. You couldn't wow. run the mom to get loved on. Wow. Mom would send you back to dad because dad loved on you. He didn't discipline you because he didn't love you. He disciplined because he loved you. Now, sometimes it worked the other way. Sometimes mom did have to discipline the kids. And when when they did, she they'd run to dad, you know. Nope, you got to go back to mom if you want to get hugged. Because mom only disciplined you because she loved you. And um, and of course, as our, our children grew up, um, you know, we had a 10 years of where our, our oldest, our son kind of lived in the wilderness. It was a very traumatic time, sad time for us. Um, and, uh, but he would always come home. And I used to tell Jan, look, I tell you what, we don't have much of a hook in this, in this boy's life anymore. I mean, he's out on his own, living on his own and so on. But I want to tell you, there is one reason he comes home because he doesn't want to lose, especially your love. Mm. She was a better lover than me. And, um, and uh, I said, that's the only hook we have at the moment. Uh, 
when he finally decided he had to come home because things had got so grim in his life, uh, I said, great, you know, you can, well, at first I said, no, we don't want you home because uh, you disrupt everything, you know? But when he finally appealed and just said, look, I got to come home. Uh, I said, okay, that's great. And, and here's the rules, you know, uh, no drinking at home. Couldn't say no drinking because he was a bartender. Um, uh, no drugs, period, in your life. Uh, no women over uh, overnight, you know, which uh, you can see where he was living. Um, you will give all your money to your mother and she'll pay your bills and we'll have a curfew of 10 o'clock on you. Oh, and by the way, here is a phone. that The only thing it will do you, in those days, you could buy a phone that can only call one number. Wow. It was my number because I couldn't trust them with a cell phone in those days. I wouldn't be able to pay the bill. But here's a phone. If you're not going to be home by 10, you call me at 945. Tell me where you are and at what time you'll be home. Are you going to be home at 10 after 10, 15 after? I knew, you know, 10 o'clock on the dot was, you know, too rigid. Uh, but he, he had to let me know that he was on his way and he was doing the best he could. But you see, that was all part of loving him. That's my point. And it was all a part of protecting him. And he now today, by the way, things have turned out great. And, you know, he's just, you know, it, it was to hear him give his testimony at our recent uh, Thanksgiving thing was such a blessing. But he will tell you or he'll say to me, we get together every week, by the way, for breakfast. I drive uh, one hour to where he lives. Uh, he would drive halfway and we used to, but his business is picked up and he, can't, he doesn't have the time. So uh He'll tell me, Dad, thank you for not giving up on me. And part of that was, you know, keep <laughs> keeping your hand on me. You know? Right. That's what I mean by loved and protected. So the family is a place of faith for us. Secondly, a place where children really feel like they're loved and protected. And that goes right on up to their adulthood. I have a little saying that children need their parents until either their parents die or Christ comes again. So I have five children now. I had three, but then I married Sandy and got two boys, really sharp boys, by the way. Um, and uh, uh, but they need us. We talk on the phone uh, with one of those uh, children uh, every other day, and and they call us all the time. Now these are you know, I mean these are kids that are awfully successful, <laughs> and. Uh, I mean, one of them is in charge of mechanical testing for NASA, but oh they, call. Yeah. they call because they need their mom and their dad. And isn't it great? I'm not their biological dad. He passed away when my first wife passed away within two weeks or another, but he calls me dad. Hmm. And he says, I need, I need to talk to you, dad, about such and such. Uh, so that's, that, that's the love and protection. Third, I already covered it, so I won't go over it again, but discipline. Now, the home needs to be a place of discipline. Children need need to be disciplined. I mean, they come into this world, you know, fallen creatures. And uh, and and uh, the idea, you know, that uh, you just let children do whatever they want is ridiculous. And uh, I, I think that uh, that in our culture today, parents are a little uh, a little leery to, to, to be, you know, I'm going to put put in this term tough on their kids. But that's one way that you um, take care of your children and show them how you love them. And then fourthly, the, the home has got to be a place of 
guidance. <coughs> Especially in this day and age, by the way. Uh, but uh, um, we we have to counteract a culture that's that's gone haywire. And uh, and again, I think we do it at every level, starting with children at a very young age. But if I had kids going off to college today, I would I would be talking to them all the time about what they're hearing in college and why uh, some of it uh, is is so destructive and so anti God and anti Christ. Um, they need to hear that. You know, for instance, you can make up your own mind about what's real and what's not real. You know, the postmodern idea that there's no absolute truth. I mean, what a what a lie. And uh, you're going to do more than stub your toe on that one if you believe that. Yeah. I mean, just hearing you share what you and Jan had, had you know, had done for your kids as, as parents and what you and Sandy do now, where did the, where did the strength to do that come from? I mean, it's, it's one of those things that I'm hearing it and it sounds like, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe you just decided I'm going to do this and then you, you grinned and and bore it when it got hard. But I got to imagine there was, um, there was more to it than that. Well, I think it grows out of your relationship with Christ again. Uh, Christ, um, Christ is a redeemer. And I always start out by saying, you know, first of all, he redeems our souls. Uh, you know, don't don't brag that that the, the, the demons uh, obey you, uh, but be be but bragging the fact that your name is written uh, down in, in the book of life. Um, that's Jesus talking to his disciples when they come back and they talk, tell them about what the wonderful things have happened. Jesus said, yeah, well, I saw Satan falling out of heaven, so I know what happened. But uh, on the other hand, um, you shouldn't get too excited about that. Just thank God that that your name is written in the book of life. So so it begins there with that relationship with God. And and uh, you realize that that um, that then the family uh, is going to reflect that that. Uh, a perfect relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But we also realize that we're in a fallen world. So what, what does that mean? Well, that means then that you're going to have to work at this. And you're going to have to invest in this. And, in it, and it's going to have to be a, a priority in your life. So we just decided that that's the way it would be. And, um, you know, I had jobs that were, it was difficult to be a good father. And what I mean by that is I had to travel a lot. Uh, I didn't get Covenant Seminary because I was so great. I got Covenant Seminary as the president because nobody else wanted the job. And that's literally the truth. I'm not exaggerating. Uh, and it was in such bad shape financially that I had to get out there and raise a ton of money. So I was traveling a lot. Someone said to me, well, how does that work? I said, well, first of all, my wife and I, we decided that the, the kids would always see what I call the father-mother. They wouldn't see a father and a mother, but the father-mother. What is that? That's that relationship that a, that a man and a woman have with each other, where they become one flesh. And children get their security not from their father and from their mother. They get their security from their father-mother. By the way, that is why that fighting and arguing in the family is so destructive to children, because it looks like that that father mother may be breaking apart and that scares kids to death. 
Mm. And of course, the worst thing that can happen to kids is divorce, um, where in fact, the father mother is ripped apart. And and it creates tremendous um, uh, insecurity in children. Um, So so we invest in that uh, and we invest in that relationship. So kids, I mean, my children only heard from their mother that they had the greatest father in the world. Now, you know, uh, she believed that, but she also exaggerated. Uh, On the other hand, they only heard from me that they had the greatest mother in the world. And uh, which they did have, by the way. And because of that, when 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 I wasn't around, it was kind of like I was around because she could talk about me and and say, dad's here. Dad's going to call at seven o'clock tonight. You can all talk to him then and that that kind of thing. And and that's what I mean by investing. You know, we took that very seriously. And um, um, and 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 in our mind, that was going to come first and nothing was going to get in his way. I remember once somebody saying to me, uh, does your wife like you traveling all the time? I said, no. And as soon as she does, I'm going to quit. <laughs> and, uh, and I meant it. I always told Jan, if this job becomes too much for you, just tell me we're out of here. Yeah. Because you come first, the kids come first. We invest in the family first. I think that's a really interesting dynamic. Something I picked up as you've been sharing is is that dynamic, and it seems it seems foreign. If I can be honest with you, I, I think a lot of what it feels like today as a young dad, as a young family, is like you know, it, it's either career or it's like comfort. But those things come first, and I like kind of fit my kids into that. I try to shove my kids into that shape box. And so it's, you know, we, we seem to almost be going like, we'll bend over backwards to make our kids fit into our lives instead of bending over backwards to have our lives fit into our kids. Right. Uh, do you think that's, are you seeing that in our generation? Oh yeah. It's always a temptation. You, you brought, you started this thing by saying that, that there's a spiritual warfare going on. Of course there is. Why? Because Satan hates God. That's his number one thing. And secondly, then he hates the people of God. That's his second thing. He wants to, he, he would like to destroy God. He knows he can, but he would like to. So he's going to do everything he can to destroy what God is doing. And what is God doing? God is building a people unto himself. That people, there's a covenant people, and there's a covenant people that's not just individuals, but it's families. He wants to destroy the family. And, uh, and, it, and it has become much more acute in our day. I mean, it's so obvious. I mean, the attack on the family is, is, is um, legion everywhere. I mean, you know, we don't, I don't have to go into the details, but to point that out, well, so I would say to families today, you're going to have to work harder. You're going to have to work harder than I did, but it's worth it. If I could show you this little book right here and show you all of the testimonies, all the, not just the children, but the grandchildren and, you know, my stepchildren. Um, uh, I think I will read one to you because remember that. These are these are kids. I mean, I'm pretty proud of the one. I'll read the one who's he's the he's the in charge of um, of uh, mechanical testing for for NASA. Um, and uh, hang on, I, obviously I didn't plan to do this, but um, um, let's see here. Um, 
Oh, it's in here somewhere. Oh, I know where it is. Hang on a minute. Yeah. Well, here's the oldest child, you know, because Sandy's kids were older than mine. She's younger than me, by the way, so don't think that. Um, <laughs> I have to remind she's not 80 years old yet. But here's the oldest. We have joined, we have enjoyed the benefits from coming to dad for advice and wisdom for many years. His guidance and insight have been invaluable time and again. Um, wow, thanks, dad. Thank you, dad, for your time and love that you give so generously. Thank you, Lord, for dad. Now remember, this man has a real dad, did pass away 14 years ago. Now this man, he's a pharmacist. Uh, he's very smart. Uh, but the fact that he has adopted me as <laughs> what mm. he's done as dad, his dad, um, that's incredibly important to me. And again, uh, I've, I've, I've made it a priority. I've invested in that. Now I did it first by investing in his mom, but, um, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm reflecting on from our, our time is, is that area of discipline, the idea of, of loving and protecting your children. And part of that is, is discipline and, and guidance. Um, you're right. I mean, I'll tell you, you're, you're hundred percent right. There is a, there's a wind of ideology that says kids don't need discipline. They need affirmation and they need affirmation in every aspect of their lives. And as a young dad, like this is something I really struggled with when you talked about the, the discipline and love relationship that if you're disciplined by one parent, you, you actually have to go get loved on by that parent. I think one of the things I struggle with is I, I tend to like almost be shy about discipline. Um, mm -hmm. And then when I do discipline, it's because I'm so frustrated that now I'm, I'm almost reacting. And I know that's not the way that God disciplines me, right? Or I'd be in big trouble because there's, yeah. there's about a thousand things I do every day that God would be perfectly justified to just, you know, come down in anger on me, but he doesn't. How did you, um, how did you start to navigate that dynamic of learning to discipline and love lovingly? Well, affirmation and discipline come together. When you're disciplining your child, you are affirming them. You are loving them. You are basically saying to your child, you are too important to me to let you run amok. Um, and when you're off, when you're off the rails, the pain in my life is, is huge. Um, and it's because of that, I'm responding this way. I won't tell you that all the time, my discipline was perfect because I will tell you, when I told you about those wilderness years with my son, some of the things he did were so bad and so crazy and I, I would lose it and I would raise my voice and I would yell. I would get myself together, though, before the end of the conversation, say, and I would apologize and say, look, I'm not apologizing for being deeply disappointed and trying to steer you in the right direction because you are going to be a shipwreck if you don't get your life straightened out. But I am sorry that I lost my temper. But let me tell you one other thing before this ends, okay? There's nothing you could do today that would cause me to stop loving you. Mm. I am deeply disappointed. Where did I get that idea? I got that idea from my relationship with God, my father. 
I, I realized he would never stop loving me no matter what, even though he could be mighty disappointed with some of my behavior. Uh, so, so that kind of reaction, um, to, to realize that when you really deeply love your children um, and you're disciplining them, you are affirming how much you love them. And they get it. They do get it. Yeah, I, I'm like thinking about my own childhood and going that that just is, it's a beautiful part of it. Um, you know, I think going, yeah, like my parents cared enough, like, and you don't see it often in the moment, right? I mean, there are times as a kid that I was getting disciplined and I thought my parents are evil, you know, like this is terrible. How could they do this to me? And now I look back and I go, oh yeah, you know, like my parents, you know, they disciplined me a lot about money when I was a young teenager. Um, and I'm really glad they did because I'll tell you, I, I, every paycheck I got never stayed with me for more than two days. It was gone in 48 hours and um, oftentimes more than I had made. And I'd get those overdraft fees. And I remember my dad, like he, he never gave up, you know, he, no matter how frustrated he got, he kept, he would always sit down, Rob, we got to talk about this. And I think, man, I'm so grateful for that. Um, and I, I hope that I'm able to do that for my kids and, um, you know, instill that in them as well. Well, as we're coming to the end of our time, I just have one one last question for you. Um, and obviously next week we'll talk more about marriage and and that dynamic. But I think my question for you is, um, what is one piece of advice you would give to parents today um, that, that maybe is different than advice that you got when you were raising kids? It's going to be an unusual one. I mean, I have a bunch of things, you know, that, you know, you got to deal with kids and, and, and all, you know, the difficulties of raising kids today. But uh, I'm, I'm going to say uh, that I think the greatest need uh, in the family today is male leadership. Um, and I, I, I believe it's too easy for, for men uh, to pass that. They might want to lead in certain areas, you know, like what we're going to do, maybe more vacations we're going to take and stuff. But but we we uh, men leave that male leadership. They they pass it on to their wives, and 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 that's not what God planned. God did plan for for the father to be the uh, leader in the family again, spe mainly spiritually. Um, I I always led the devotions and so on, and uh, so I would encourage men to take that leadership and 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 apply these things we've talked about and see that they are a reality in your family. They are, but then the last thing and maybe the most in well, I like it a lot, so this is why I say it a lot. Okay. The most important thing you can do for your children, dad, is love their mother. Hmm. Hmm. That's um man, that's good. I I think that's so counterintuitive, right? We think oh in I mean, would you say that that that's the advice you'd give to to the moms out there too? The best thing a mom can do, or love yeah. her husband? Yeah, I mean, I'm coming from a man's point of view, and and for, and also that male leadership. But but kids need to see, uh, uh, you, you know, 
when we say what what is the what is the best way you can love your kids? We think about all kinds of things we do for the kids. No, the best thing you can do for your kid, the best loving thing you can do for their, your kid is to love their mother. Wow. And why? Because remember what I said about the father mother thing? That's a reality. I believe that's a real thing. The father mother is a real person. And it's one person. It's not two persons. It's one person. It's two people that have become one. And when your kids see that, it, it, it just it, it just builds a foundation under their life. Uh, it, it's, it's a solid rock they can, they can uh, uh, launch out into life on, that, that mother-father foundation. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time. I'm really excited. Um, I'm excited to do it again next week uh, and talk about marriage. Um, and and maybe just as as we close here, I'll, I'll just add this. I know that um, these topics are heavy and uh, they can bring up lots of emotions. Some positive, some some not. And um, you know, at at Chapel Gate, as as with any God fearing and, and Bible believing church, we, we want to live in the reality of that. And so if, as you listen to this episode, this conversation, um, you know, you realize like, man, I, maybe my, my childhood wasn't what I would, I would hope it would be. And that's affecting my parenting now, or, well, goodness, I mean, God, God can heal and, and we want to be part of that. And so um, if you want to reach out to our life counseling center here at church, we, we would love that. Um, Jeff McMullen is, um, our associate pastor and director of that. And, and they would be a great resource. And um, I'd be happy to help you connect with them. And, um, or if you just want to talk uh, to, to a pastor, we've got a lot and we'd love to be there for you. And the reality is, um, you know, we call this show in the fire because of the passage in Daniel where, where Radshak, uh, Meshach and Abednego get thrown into a, a furnace and Nebuchadnezzar is looking on and, um, goes, wait, didn't we throw three men in the furnace? Why am I seeing four? And one of them's glowing. And it's, it's because Jesus was there with them in that fire. And um, maybe that's, that's where you're at. Maybe you just need to see Jesus show up in the midst of your, of your struggle. And um, I know Dr. Koistra, you, you would agree that he is, he's there and um, we would love to be part of that. Amen. Jesus is a redeemer, not just of individuals, but of families. Yeah. Amen. Whatever that looks like, you may be a single parent, but but he he he's he hasn't abandoned you, and he, he you know he will he will be a redeemer in that kind of a situation. So he's always redeeming. Yeah. Well, thank you, Doctor Koister. We appreciate your time, and look forward to to doing it again next week. Thanks. I look forward to it. Hey, it's Rob. Thanks for listening to In the Fire. We're so glad to have people like you out there taking a look at this stuff. And we hope that it truly is a blessing to you in your journey as a young family. Whether you're a husband, a father, a mother, or a wife, we just want you to know we care about you and we are praying for you. Thanks for listening to In the Fire, and we'll catch you next week.